7 to 8 p.m. Sport On with Tabiso Musia. So as you heard from that promo, then there is a special show. Uh, Song as Umapek broadcasting all the way uh, from Cape Town between 8 to 10. It's the Robin Island Memorial Lecture. So you don't want to miss that between 8 and 10 p.m. Uh, this evening. But before that, there's a small matter of sport that we need to take care of. So a very good evening and thank you for uh, joining us on SAFM a Sport On. Tabi Somosia, Katleko Mudiba is producing and Zalma Kribi is our technical producer this evening. We like to talk careers in sport on a Tuesday and uh, speak to various people in different positions and tonight we will profile horse trainer Justin Snaith whose horse Do It Again won the Devon July main race in stunning fashion at the Gravel race course on Saturday afternoon. I was one of those there but didn't have money on Do It Again despite many people tipping it to tipping the horse to win and I'm sure scores of people are smiling all the way to the bank this week so Justin will talk to us about his horse and exactly what his role as a trainer entails and uh, back, Do It Again by the way because the first horse to win back-to-back Vodacom Deb in July since 2000. We are also continuing our build-up to Bafana Bafana's massive Africa Cup of Nations quarter-final clash against Nigeria tomorrow night. Last night we didn't get a chance to go to Egypt because we were overwhelmed by your calls for the Minister of Sport, Arts and Culture, Minister Natim Tetua, who gave us a lot of his time. So tonight we'll get reaction from the Egyptians after the repercussions of their defeat to Bafana Bafana that saw the president uh, resign and the coach being sacked. But we also have an interview lined up with our very own president of SAFA. He must be a delighted man, Dr. Danny Jordan. Uh, we're going to get his thoughts on Bafana Bafana's performances uh, so far. And I do understand that he addressed uh, the team today ahead of the big game against Nigeria. And because we have that special broadcast that I mentioned between 8 and 10 with Songez Omapek, we will also end the show with a flashback of our interview with former Deputy Chief Justice Tehang Museneke about his time at Robin Island and, w- and w- when they formed that now FIFA recognized football association called the Makana FA. So if you missed that interview about two months ago, I think it's uh, the perfect time to play it now as we build up to that special broadcast between 8 and 10 p.m. Lines are open 0891-104-207 if you want to weigh in on any of our conversations or you can send us voice notes on WhatsApp on 0614104107. We also take SMSs on 41391. And after the break, we speak to SAFA President Dr. Denny Yodan. SAFM Radio and at Tabiso Musia on Twitter. So Bafana Bafana is the talk of the town after their one win over Egypt and they've now set up an explosive quarter-final clash against Nigeria tomorrow and we have on the line all the way from Egypt our president, Asafa President Dr. Denny Yodan, just to get his thoughts. President, good evening from us on SAFM and thank you very much for finding time to speak to us again. Uh, thank you and good evening. President, uh, 24 hours to go before that big match against Nigeria. How are you feeling? Well, it's been quite a stressful but very exciting AFCON here. I think it is an AFCON of shock and surprises. Uh, and now in the quarterfinals, we have also, other than South Africa, we have Benin and Madagascar. Uh, and I watched the Madagascar match uh, in Alexandria. Uh, they brought a big plane, uh, A380, uh, and uh, they are now in the quarterfinals uh, together with South Africa. Africa and Nigeria is always uh, one of the big talking points, mm. and part of it is, is uh, goes back to 1996 when Nigeria 
uh, was the defending champions and did not come to defend the, their title in South Africa. And then South Africa became the champions. Uh, it's still a talking point. So uh, tomorrow it's at AFCON again. It's South Africa, Nigeria. And uh, it's going to be a big a big match. Of course, for Bafana, we are back at uh, Cairo International uh, Stadium where we played against uh, Egypt. Of course, Egypt, because they were the host, all of the matches were played at Cairo International Stadium. And now we have taken over... Uh, where Egypt left off. Of course, the mood was, was, was like somber and depressed after the match against South Africa. And, and President, how big was that win against Egypt uh, for Bafana Bafana, especially in terms of restoring our pride on the continent? Well, uh, it's unimaginable. Uh, many of the of the Egyptian players just left Egypt. Uh, Mo Salah got onto the plane and left uh, Egypt uh, after the match. Uh, he's gone back. Um, they, everything was set up. The tournament was set up that Egypt will be in the final and maybe Egypt will win. Mm. Uh, and that was uh, the understanding here. Everybody understood that. Uh, and that's why there was a big uh, fallout as a result of that, the government has put in a lot of money. Uh, anyone who's here will tell you the expenditure on just on security uh, to secure the, this uh, event. And uh, essentially, Bafana blew up uh, that whole plan. And so the, the defense and the pressure was, was on the, uh, the football leadership here. Uh, given the fact that the government has spent hundreds of millions of dollars uh, on the on this event, and and so uh, it was massive, it was massive. And and personally, did you believe that Bafana could do it and upset the odds and and dump Egypt out of this tournament? You know what? Uh, we don't appreciate when you sit in South Africa and watch the match on on TV uh, is the impact on the weather. Uh, it was extremely hot. And remember, we played at half past four and six o'clock. Yes. And that match against Egypt was nine o'clock. Uh, and you just saw a different level of energy and ability to run and fight. Uh, and I think I, I walked onto the pitch because one of the venues, Al Salam, where Bafana played all of his matches, uh, I went to, onto the field just to walk on the grass in the middle of the the pitch it was unbearably hot and so you find water breaks because at 32 degrees uh the medical the doctors order water breaks so they said whenever there's an injury or anything a break in the match they must go and take water mm. and 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 so it's not not just Pafana, uh all of the teams uh at very difficult the end of it and i think you saw a different team uh, at nine o'clock, but credit to the coach, he came with a with a game plan, uh, and of course uh, credit to the players. Uh, the hero of important here in uh, Egypt in Cairo is is Lodge, Percy uh, Tau, Mutiba, but also way outfield is playing. Yeah. Uh, people was seeing the praises of the team again, and uh, Mark Free said. Um, 
has one of the best teams that he has seen since 1998. And, wow. and he's, uh, everybody was singing the praises of the team. And I think it's a long time coming for these players, and I think we're all happy for them. Mm. And I believe you spoke to the team today, President, ahead of the Nigeria game uh, tomorrow. What, what message were you getting across? Uh, well, I, I think uh, they were, uh, They had the training today. I, I uh, Because I'm also part of the CAF organizing committee. I'm the vice president of CAF organizing committee. I could not spend a lot of time there to come back because uh, one of the matches is a venue. Uh, Tunisia versus Madagascar uh, and we had to make arrangements for that match there's also Senegal and Benin uh, tomorrow at uh, the stadium uh, 30 June stadium and then of course Bafana at, at Cairo International but uh, the players are really energized they work hard in training and uh, Stuart Baxter uh, was supporting them and uh, I think all of them and a different mind frame, uh, a different space. And it's Nigeria, but, you know, of course, we did well against Nigeria in the last games, and uh, we'll have to see. Uh, I think we'll see again a, a different team against Nigeria. Nigeria, of course, is not uh, as uh, confident as, as they used to be in the past. Uh, and, and so it's a huge contest. In the press conference, of course, he also referred to the players missing, and this one was not there at that time. And when we lost two, now this one was not there. <laughs> uh, but many of the players were also not there. And Indian, when we played the draw 1 1 at, at FNB Stadium. So all the players uh, were selected are there and fit. And so it's going to be quite a, a, a tough encounter tomorrow. And with Bafana now having reached the last eight of the Africa Cup of Nations, does it already make it a successful tournament according to you, or does the president expect more? Look, it, it's a different AFCON, because firstly, it's uh, the first time that you have a 2014 uh, tournament, uh, AFCON, the first time that you have an AFCON in June, uh, you saw the impact of the heat, and because it's in the north, uh, it's, 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 it's summer and hot. Uh, and everybody said that once you go from 16 uh, to 24, you're going downhill because there are not as many uh, teams uh, of quality on the African continent. And all of a sudden, you find that all of the favorites are now home. Morocco was a favorite, is home. Ghana was a favorite, is home. Uh, and so a long list of them one after the other uh, went home and so it was a different tournament in a sense in South Africa is one of the countries that uh, uh, is there among the last eight and it's three matches away from the final and, and it's incredible the last time we've been in a quarterfinal is 2002 that's 17 years ago so I think it's an incredible performance of the team and uh, everybody would agree that as far as the midfield is concerned, and you heard Marino talking about yes. the South African team, uh, that we have some of the best midfielders on the African continent. And, and I think tomorrow at 9 o'clock, I think it will be ideal weather again for them. They are now used to the uh, stadium and, and the pitch. 
and uh, we just keep our fingers crossed. But does it make it already a successful tournament, uh, reaching the last eight? Well, I think the quality of football and the and the competitiveness amongst the team, absolutely yes. Uh, one of the things that the team, uh, the tournament will now suffer is uh, Egypt is out. You had uh, 75, uh, 80,000 people in and around the stadium. And uh, we'll now see what is the impact of uh, the fact that Egypt is out. And I think those fans will not come. And uh, I was just listening to the press. When Egypt was in the first round, they won the first three matches. And everybody said, uh, Egypt, uh, this is the best Egyptian team. Mo Salah is better than uh, Messi and, and so on. And after the... The match against Pafana, uh, all of a sudden, this is the worst reception <laughs> team. Most Mosalah is only a club player, and, and and they were very angry. And I think that uh, this is the way of the fans. I think all over the world, uh, they get very happy and very angry if the team loses. Uh, and 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 this this is what happened here. Uh, so we see a tournament now without. Uh, Egypt certainly will have an impact on the on the, the the tournament in terms of spectator support, but in terms of quality of football, uh, I, I don't think so. Even if all of the the favourite teams uh, have gone out, and, and it's strange that all the teams that won three matches, Egypt won all three of the first round matches yep. out. Uh, <clears throat> Algeria and Senegal is still in. Morocco is out. Cote d'Ivoire, uh, Mali was top of their group out. Uh, and Ghana, top of their group out. Uh, so, Cameroon, the defending champions, out. So, it's a different tournament where the, all the tournament favorites uh, is now home. And uh, we, we are left with Madagascar, with Benin. Uh, with Nigeria, Senegal, and Algeria to fight it out. And I think um, South Africa is amongst the top eight teams now on the African continent. And it's going to be a huge night tomorrow for South African football. Okay, I'm going to take a quick break, President, and we'll wrap up after this break and we'll take these two or three voice notes that have come through on WhatsApp. Sport On on SAFM. Okay, let's go to the voice notes that have come through on 0614104107 and also our studio number is 0891104207. Good evening, Chabiso. This is Uchusia from PE. Ask um, the president, Uteni Chodan, um, what is the mandate of Coach Stuart Baxter if he is beaten in the quarterfinal? Will they fire him? Uh, secondly, um, what is their mandate as SAFA regarding uh, the national teams? Because Banyana failed, under 20 failed, under 17 failed. So, what is their mandate? And when are they going to resign and do the honorable thing like Egypt? President Sia from PE. Thank you for that, Jusia. I'll just take one more call and I'll let the president respond. Uh, good evening to Bramoro in Bloom. Bramoro, good evening. 
Good evening, sir. How are you? Fine, fine. Thanks, and you, Bramoro. Thank you very much. I'm good. Thank you for a good show. Um, Mr. Tabiso, uh, first of all, please ask the president for us. He watched the Ghana game yesterday. How was the performance of the referee? He is our own Victor Gomez. So um, what is the president saying about the performance of the referee, especially regarding to the goal being scored by the DIU, which he overruled it to be a handball, mm. which was impossibly, it was, um, it was not handball. And then two, um, 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 we've seen that there is a rift between SAFA and then the PSL, especially if you can go back to 2015. Um, uh, South Africa hosted the Chanton Prince, which is being played by the local players. But then our PSL was still ongoing, whilst we were still busy playing the Chant tournament. And surprisingly, Ben Ataka of Spiser Chiefs emerged the top scorer of the tournament. That tells us that if maybe... Um, there is a tournament and then we need South Africa players. Regardless of what tournament is ongoing in the country, we have to suspend or pause the PSL because Bafana is dear to us than the PSL. Most countries are doing this. So why can't uh, SAFA and PSL also come together whereby if the coach meet any player in the league, automatically we should suspend our league so that we go for national duties. Okay, Bramoro, I think I've got that. For the sake of time, we're going to have to let it go. Uh, President, I'll let you respond to those. The first one was from Juicia. Uh, does the coach have a mandate? What happens if he can't be, if he doesn't beat Nigeria? Well, uh, it's not the time to talk about mandates now. You know, we are three matches away from the final. We have a huge match tomorrow. We must all be supporting those players. Let us support uh, Lords, Persitao, Zungu, Tomochello, all of them. They have worked hard in this heat to get to where we are at the quarterfinal. Let us focus and talk about that. Also, what is the mandate of SAFA? This is the most successful SAFA executive in the history of SAFA. We have qualified for the women's under 17. We have qualified for the men's under 17. We are the only country on the African continent that qualified for the Olympics, both men and women. For the first time, Banyana was in the final of the AFCON. Uh, they lost the AFCON on penalty shootout. For the first time, they went to the Women's World Cup. It never happened. In the, in the period 2009, to 2013, we've qualified for nothing. We've qualified for every single tournament uh, on the earth. Mm. So we have to give credit. Uh, we have trained a high number of coaches. Go to our region and see the number of coaches we train, number of referees. Uh, Banyana players, women players, have increased from 200 to 450,000 players. Uh, and so I can go on. It's not the time to look for a funeral. It's time to celebrate. And unfortunately, when the country must celebrate and the whole world, yeah, you come to Egypt, you talk about South African football and the fun of the fun, immediately there's a smile. In our country, people look for a funeral. They want to bring a coffin, we must cry, we must be sad. Uh, there's something wrong with us. Hmm. It's not the time. For a funeral, it's a time for a celebration. That's rally behind the team. They have worked hard. They work long. 
and uh, that is what we must do. But uh, did he have uh, a mandate before the tournament? Did he have a mandate before the tournament? It's nonsense. We have been elected for four years. We serve our term. It's complete nonsense. The people who voted the leadership of SAFA are the regions. The people who have the right to remove uh, the executive are the regions. Mm-hmm. There is no law. Why, when in 1998, France went to the World Cup in 2002 as world champions, they dropped our first round. Who resigned in France? Nobody. In 2010, Italy came to South Africa as a defending champion of the world, world champions. They dropped our first round. Who resigned? Who left? Nobody in Italian football. In 2014, Spain went to Brazil, defending champions, went our first round. Who resigned? Nobody. In 2018 World Cup in Russia, Germany went there as defending champions. They dropped our first round. Who resigned? Nobody. So where does this thing come from? The question of Egypt is a special case. The relationship is different here. So I don't want to speak about governments of other countries and the relationship with their sport. So people must not mislead the people of our country. Mm. There's no such thing in international football. There's no precedent. Ghana just dropped out. Uh, Cameroon came here defending champions. They went home. Where are these calls? So don't mislead our people. Yeah. I think what's not been clear and what people are asking from what I'm seeing on also on social media, President, was that did the coach have a mandate before the tournament going into AFCON? Yes, absolutely. And the coach has exceeded that mandate in the quarterfinal. But why are we raising those things here? You know, there were 24 teams here. Mm. It was not raised. The cricket just dropped out. They were at home. Who's asking for what is the mandate? Which other sport is asked this question? Where is the call for the executive to go? Why is it that because of football, and I don't want to talk about our apartheid past, why is it a special case that people ask these questions of football? We are not going to allow it. Let me be clear. Some of us have been in the liberation struggle precisely against these things. We're not going to allow it. Uh, let us celebrate the fact that these young boys need our support more than any other sports person putting on the jersey of our country and standing there and singing the national anthem. Mm. They are from us. They are from the township. They have struggled to be where they are. Let us support them. Let's not introduce other issues to try and demoralize them. And there were serious attempts to demoralize these players. Mm. And we are going to support them. We're going to support the coach. And when the tournament is over, we will sit down and see what is the best interest of Alaskan football. And we're taking those decisions that in the best interest of South African football. And we'll all also always do that. We're going to launch a women's league against all the naysayers in South Africa. Uh, it's a strange country where when they see progress and celebration, they need tears and, uh, and, 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 and unhappiness and need a funeral. 
No, it's not time for a funeral. Let us support and celebrate these boys. They have had a special achievement. They, we knew this team can play football. We knew that. If you look at their ability to play, very few teams here can match them. And Senegal, when we lost against Senegal for the World Cup, the Senegal coach told me, he said, you know, when South Africa play, we can't match you. And therefore, all of us, we stay back. Because what will happen to you is in the 70th minute to the 90th minute, you will start losing passes, you'll make mistakes, and will score on the counter. That's the only way we can beat you. But trying to go in there and play against you, we can't. Because you're some of the best footballers on the continent. Why don't we celebrate uh, the players and support them? Yeah. And I think tomorrow we need to do that as a country. And the other because, question that, yeah. that came through, Mr. President, was about the referee, Victor Gomes. What has been the reaction that side? Are you able to weigh in on this one? Oh, you know, I was sitting there in the match Tunisia, Ghana. I, must, I can't give you all the tweets that came through uh, because it was a decisive moment in that match. Because if that goes to that, I think Ghana would have qualified. But then... Uh, the other thing that sparked controversy is that it seems that it was not clear whether it was a handball or an offside, and it appears that our two officials have, uh, uh, could not agree on, on, on those things. So, yeah, and that's football. It's football. And, uh, yeah, the Ghanaian uh, officials were very angry. We were sitting there with them, um, and uh, they were unhappy because... They say every time when there's a South African official, uh, they will suffer. And I think, I don't know, it's not as bad. Uh, Gian in 2010 World Cup, he missed uh, that penalty by himself. Uh, so that's not... But yes, they were very unhappy. And uh, this happens in football. The review panel here in CAF uh, sits and watch all the performance and uh, we'll get the report tomorrow from them. Uh, as part of the organizing committee, uh, what exactly their assessment is of what happened there. But uh, the Ghanaians are very, very unhappy uh, of what happened. Mm. We'll take the last call then before we release the president. Mshengu, thank you very much for holding in Johannesburg. Good evening. Sure, Tabis. Fine, thanks in you, sir. Sure, my brother. Look, Tabis, uh, first of all, thanks for taking my call. Uh, Firstly, let me talk about leadership problems that we have in South Africa, uh, and this relates to SAFA as we're discussing SAFA now. First of all, we have a problem of encouraging mediocrity, we have a problem of uh, arrogance, we have a problem of blackmail, and all these three, Mr. Jordan, unfortunately, has just epitomized now with his comments since he took the first call. What do I mean by this? First of all, Mr. Jordan is going on and huffing on about how we qualified for this and that tournament as if that is anything to celebrate. Qualifying alone is not enough. And then secondly, he goes on and talks about countries that were knocked out in, in big tournaments and no one resigned. He's comparing apples with bananas. We are not Italy, we are not Germany, we are not all those countries. We expect the best out of it. And then thirdly, uh, Mr. Zudan has been in the higher echelons of soccer in this country, and 
really we haven't gotten anywhere with the likes of him and others who have been uh, in, 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 in football administration in this country for the longest of time. I, 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 honestly, in my own opinion, I think they've run out of ideas and they don't want to be held accountable. He's now crying out loud about us not complaining about cricket as if those are the same thing. Football is the most popular sport in this country. Most people in this country who are a sports supporters follow football. Therefore, the standards with, in which we hold him will not be the same with those that we hold uh, the cricket president. Or okay, Mshengu, I've, I've, I've got that. Mr. President, I'm sure you had all of that. I'll let you respond, especially to the question about our teams qualifying uh, for these major tournaments because the common uh, question on Twitter is that we are, you are praising mediocrity because they never get beyond the group stages anyway. No, 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 no. It, 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 it. Look, uh, I wish you, you, you understand where our teams come from. We are probably the federation with the highest demand of support for our, for our players and we give that I am not suffer we have an executive committee of men and women who work every day and we have a high number of women who work on the ground every day for nothing and I think we must spare thoughts for them too uh, I am the president of Safa for five years. Not been there forever as a president, and everybody knows. I worked for more than uh, 10 years in two birds. I was the CEO of the, of the bird organizing committee of the World Cup. And we won that World Cup, and I delivered that World Cup. I was not in Safa. Where am I now in Safa for, for, for all these years? I was not there. I was in, in the World Cup, and they know it. So I'm not here to defend myself. I am accountable to our members, to our regions, and to our local football association. And these men and women work every week. Go and look what's happening in the region, and you'll see how hard they work for no money. And, and so we must spare thought for them. I know nobody needs to tell me because we had worked hard to create uh, a united football structure uh, in, in South Africa. And I think also we must sometimes listen to what the world is saying. The world right now is very, very positive about South African football. Very, very positive. And we have 80 players playing in Europe, young players who are under 20. Mm. And these players come from our country. Many of them earn uh, enough money in Europe because it's in euros and, and, uh, and, and, and it's changed the, the lives, not just of themselves, but of their families. So there is a difference in South African football and fans must begin to see it. And I think uh, perhaps they must come to the SAFA Congress so that they can meet and talk to the real leaders of football. It's not a single person. We have a total leadership uh, throughout the country. We have 3.2 million players, uh, only 80 in Europe. And many of them are now emerging and going into the top leagues, something that we did not have for many, many years. They are breaking through now in Europe. So it's not me claiming credit. The credit belongs to those in the regions who work hard every day.
Mm. And I think for now, let's focus on tomorrow's game, the huge game, uh, and then support those players. Okay. They deserve it. They work hard. They need our support. Uh, the country needs to support them. And whatever the outcome, they have done well, and let us acknowledge that. They have done well. It's not easy to, to beat Egypt in Egypt with almost 80,000 supporters. Go and ask the Egyptian uh, government and the Egyptian people and hear what they say. I'm here. I've seen them before and after the match. And uh, South Africa must just celebrate sometime the things that we, we've achieved. Okay. Uh, not for individuals, but for the players who have delivered that. And I think we have an incredible bunch of players, uh, and, and I'm just happy for them. And I hope some of them uh, will see uh, bigger clubs and bigger income for them. And that is the change in their own lives that we hope for and pray for. Mm. Um, that is what we want for the youth of our country. And, and I couldn't so agree with you more, the I President. Wish you all the best for tomorrow. Yeah, let's let's all get behind the team. I know even those that are critical, they do want to see Bafana Bafana uh, do well tomorrow. It's a big game up against Nigeria. And we're going to have to catch up, Mr. President, after this Africa Cup of Nations because it seems like there's a lot uh, that people want to talk about. And I think it's only fair that uh, we invite you to studio and uh, uh, we do a postmortem then regardless of what happens after the uh, tournament. And uh, there's a lot that needs to be talked about. But let's leave it there. We've kept the president longer than we'd agreed on. And I thank you very much for all your contributions. We are still going to talk horse racing and also hear from uh, former Deputy Chief Justice Tehang Musinek. Leading sport stories of the day on SAFM. So then let's go back to what was a fantastic weekend of the Vodacom Deben July. Do it again, winning it for the second straight year. And uh, tonight we thought we should use this opportunity just to speak to uh, the trainer, Justin Snaith. We were supposed to speak to him last night, but because we had the Minister of Sport, we just could not get to him. And Justin has been kind enough to uh, give us uh, uh, his time tonight. Justin, good evening from us on SAFM. And thank you very much for finding time to speak to us. Justin, it was 19 years since a horse won consecutive Devon Julys. We spoke to a number of people last week before the race. Even actually Sean Terry thought do it again, could do it again this year. Did you believe? How confident were you? Yes, look, I have a lot of faith in my horse. He's a, he's a beautiful individual. He's got all the class in the world. So uh, we were, we never want to be too arrogant or too confident. Uh, at the end of the day, uh, you know, you just want to be humble into the race. So as, as, as confident as we were, we were still just, uh, uh, you know, hoping that he could put it off twice. So it, it's, it's not an easy thing <laughs> to do once, yeah. let alone twice. So we're very proud of him. And what gave you the confidence, Justin? Look, he is... He is a beautiful individual, tall, athletic. Uh, his pedigree is extremely strong. He is. He loves coming to Natal. Uh, you know, remember we're in the winter time of the year, uh, and he is such a class individual that that doesn't affect him. As you know, might not know in horse racing, we have early hours uh, and we're up uh, and it's cold. Some horses uh, just tend to handle it better and. And he's just one of those horses. He's a he's a phenomenal athlete. We have a top jockey, and as I said, everything has gone smoothly into the race. We had a good run three weeks before the race, so we had a lot of confidence. And quite frankly, just a, a, a lot of um, 
uh, hope. Uh, uh, and, and as I said, uh, we, we have a lot of faith in the source. A lot was said about do it again, only having one outing since that uh, second place at the Sun met. Was that part of the plan? Yes, yes. Like in all sports, uh, certain things work for some people. Uh, as you see nowadays in, in, in marathon running, uh, athletes would, would probably have one half marathon into a marathon. Yeah. Same thing with us. We we're very careful. Uh, we would like to have a prolonged career with him. He's a horse that we're going to try and do what's never been done before, uh, and that is to come back and try win the Vodacom Durban July for for three uh, three t- uh, three wins in a row. Uh, so it's something that really uh, we hope he can achieve. And as I said, um, just uh, want to be very proud of him. I was I was at the race course on Saturday, but how do you look back at the race? What emotions were going through, especially because early on he was at least ten lengths behind. Yes, so the, the tactics were to give, a, give him a little bit of a chance, get warmed up in the race, and uh, as the race progresses, turning into the straight, look for a little bit of an outside run to ensure that he gets a clear run. Uh, so when he did that, uh, fortunately, you're talking to me today. Yesterday, I could hardly talk, but I lost <laughs> my voice from shouting so loud. So when I saw him loom up on the outside, oh, we all just went mad. So we, we screamed him home and... And, you know, he did it all on his own. He's a phenomenal individual. And as I said, we're just, just, uh, just honoured to be part of his career. And what can you tell us about the jockey, Richard Furee? It's his second July win, even though uh, there was drama surrounding his win with Legislate a couple of years ago. Yes, yes. So Richard Furee is a, is, a, is a Cape Town local boy. He was in Hong Kong for uh, a, a, a few years. So he was a very talented young rider in South Africa. He decided to go to Hong Kong, which is the mecca of racing financially. Uh, the, the jockeys earn phenomenal amounts of money, and uh, he, he, he didn't enjoy the lifestyle there. He's a fisherman and a family man, and uh, just felt it was better for, for family and uh, his personal reasons to actually come back to South Africa which is very rare. It's like all sportsmen, you see them all go overseas, and he actually decided that it wasn't for him and came back. So we were very fortunate to hook up with him. Uh, he was my stable jockey before he went to Hong Kong, and great that we could hook up uh, for, for um, this, this Rodicom Durban July. But just, just a nice guy and, and, and an honorable person and just uh, the right guy for the job, well-suited, mm. perfect ride. And just glad to be part of it. How does he say he managed to keep himself and the horse calm when the drama was uh, was happening around Hawam before the start? Yeah, well, look here. So it's, it, you need big match temperament. Uh, as talented as Hawam is, he's a little bit highly strung. Uh, and uh, and obviously, uh, the starting stalls is quite a claustrophobic area for, for a horse. So most horses handle it fine. Hawam has got his hiccups uh, when it comes to that tight area. So obviously he rushed into the starting stalls and on coming back, he, he, he gave himself, which would be like for a human, would be a lummy. Mm. Very simple, someone mm. elbows you on your thigh and you, you can't walk for a few strides, mm. but then five minutes later, you find. Very similar to, with the one, but the horses always come first. We're very meticulous uh, about um, the well-being of, of horses. So no matter the money, the horse came first, and the decision was made to scratch the horse. Mm. Even at the time, the veterinary uh, surgeon sadly burst into tears because obviously 
there's a lot of hope uh, 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 on Hawam. Fortunately, Hawam being scratched meant that Dirt Again became the close favourite. So the mm. money that was on Hawam now goes on to Dirt Again. And fortunately for the punters, uh, uh, he didn't let them down. And finally, you had five runners in the race, Justin Smanga Kumalo riding Mayabe Gold to fifth place. Overall, are you happy? You know, funny enough, I had Smanga on a, quite a few hotels. You know, Smanga Kumalo was the champion jockey not so long ago. 2013, yeah. Um, and he's based in Joburg. And I've had some very good success with him on, on this big day. So I thought, well, let's use him again. My client, Nick Johnson, uh, decided, well, let's put him on a few horses. And quite frankly, he was probably our pick of the jockeys of the day. Never let us down. Uh, gentleman to deal with on the day. And as I said, phenomenal. First Philly home was yeah. um, the Gold, which Mungo on. And, and I'm looking forward to the uh, Gold Cup, which is on the 27th of uh, July. And obviously, Shimango will be part of the team again. So... He earned his right, and, and as I said, we were very impressed with with all the jockeys. It was it was a phenomenal day, to be honest. The whole of uh, Natal, the fashion was was amazing. Uh, just wow, what a what a day of sport! And uh, as I said, uh, just uh, very lucky to be uh, involved. Great stuff, Justin. A pleasure for us to talk to you. Well done, and all the best. And keep us updated with whatever you guys do going forward. Well, let's hope we see you here, uh, get to speak on your show next year this time. So <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Thanks, Justin Snaith from the Thank famous, you very much for of, of course, the famous family horse racing our family. They really have a passion for horses. The Snaiths, if you're a horse a racing person, you definitely know about the Snaiths as well as his brother, uh, Jonathan, and the whole family there. But we'll leave it there for now because we are building up now to that special show uh, between our songers of Mapek, well, of songers of Mapek, uh, we will be at the Robin Island Memorial Lecture. SAFM Radio and at Tabiso Musia on Twitter. So as part of that build-up, we thought we should just refresh your memory and take you back to our interview about two months ago with the former Deputy Chief Justice Dehang Museneka to speak about his time at Robin Island, especially about the football association that they started called the Makana FA, which was later recognized by a FIFA. Oh yes, I spent time, if you remember, in my own liberator describing that great African leader, Makana Makanda who, remember, was sent to Robben Island, and, um, and he resisted the British, and they banished him to Robben Island. And, you know, the African folklore goes that we are and that Makanda one day will come back to his people. And, you know, he tried to almost swim across Robben Island onto the Simonstown shore, but he was shot dead there. And we found significance in this great African hero and decided to name the island Makana Island instead of Robin, who we didn't know. So, and, and then the, the Football Association got its name from there, Makana Football Association. Ma, you know, Makana has been, you know, he was banished, he was a leader of the Tosa people in the Eastern Cape, and um, he escaped, contrary to all the myths that he couldn't escape from Robben Island. And as I said, written about it, and it was quite exciting to me as a young freedom fighter that he could dare them, escape, and swim, and almost got onto the shore when he was shelled. And the story goes that it was just a blob of blood you could see mm. on the top of the sea, and this leader had been killed. So we thought, 
this is must surely be Makana Island, wow. not Robben Island. Now, with the football, how long did it take for the authorities uh, to agree for football to be played on the island? Because I understand that you were denied repeatedly and even risked beatings and food and, and being deprived of food. For us to get to a stage where we could play football and a little bit of rugby, um, we had to go through an 18-day hunger strike. But as I said, I spent some time describing it somewhere else. So, it, and we understood the importance, and I'll talk about the importance now. Mm. Uh, and therefore, we yes, we went to war for it, if you like. And if you're a prisoner, the way to go to war is basically to deny yourself their food. And that's what we did and went on hunger strike. And ultimately, they succumbed and agreed that we play organized football. And what was the biggest aim for, for setting up this league, uh, uh, former Deputy Chief Justice? Because I remember Mr. Tokyo Sekwala once told the story that football actually kept you guys alive. Oh, without a doubt. Think about it. We had eight clubs. We demanded that we play in normal uh, soccer gear. So for starters, physically, we escaped the prison clothes, right? So we put on blue and white and black and white and depending maroon and whatever, whatever the club colors were, and there were eight clubs. And for that morning, Saturday morning and Sunday morning, we totally escape prison circumstances and the horror of being a prisoner. And the referees will be dressed like referees. Think about, you know, referees like Comrade Riguala. He would run backwards and forwards and issue orders and issue red cards or yellow cards. And in fact, what we were doing was to resist the psychological impact of imprisonment because we had a long struggle of freedom. So you're not going to succumb and we had to find ways to escape. Football was the ultimate escape route from long sentences, remember we had, Uh Um, you know, the sentences ranged from 10 years to life. And suddenly, soccer gave us just that escape route. Do these names sound familiar? Manong, Gunners, Hotspurs, <laughs> <laughs> Black Eagles, DCTD, Rangers, Dynamo, <laughs> Bucks. You're doing amazingly well. Those are the names. And, and the guys, uh, comrades, are very enthusiastic in naming those clubs, think about it. People who came from KZN, and that includes former President Jacob Zuma, named their club uh, Bushbox <laughs> because it was a great team, you know, from KZN at the time. And some people named their, their team Manon, then they used the African Manon for vouchers. And they would associate, and there's a guy from Alexander, by the way who insisted that their team will be Ghana's. You remember Alexander Ghana's uh-huh. were a great team, in, and therefore the names had... I was part of a lousy team called Nkakalatwani. Yes, in green and gold. In green and gold, <laughs> indeed. In green and gold. You've <laughs> done your research. And there was a side where people like Gabi Mahomola and other people played, there's a site called the CCD. The CCD, yes. Yes, now those, you know, those night bugs, you know them. And their slogan was, Oh. 
You know, and that's how they want to encourage themselves. And then the comrades of Natal and from Fort Beck, like Comrade Chilish Nanabai and, 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 you know, and Sunny Pillay and others who named their team Dynamos. Mm. And they obviously were inspired by the Russian great team Dynamos. And many of them were members of the Communist Party. So then uh, we thought we should take you back there to our conversation uh, with the former Deputy Chief Justice at Tehang Museneke. The lecture is already underway. The Robin Island Memorial Lecture, Gavin Becky, uh, the political philanthropist Sonia Zomapekta will join you immediately after the news. So stay tuned for that special broadcast uh, between 8 and uh, 10 p.m. coming to you live from uh, Cape Town. My name is Atabi Somosia and uh, we'll be back tomorrow. But firstly, it's news then to the Memorial Lecture.